Welcome to Element, the student ministry of Third City Christian Church. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students. So as the stigma of mental health has, has really started to disappear in America and in the, the world in general, there's been a lot of looking into um, both the emotional and mental health of individuals, and I'm thankful for that um, because it's a real and, and honest thing. Statistically, Americans are the loneliest people on the planet. On this planet, Americans are the loneliest. A journalist and researcher named Johan Hari uh, shared this information. Americans were asked, how many close friends do you have that you could turn to in a time of crisis? In decades past, the average answer was five. Today, the most common answer is zero. Americans were asked, How many people know you well? Over half answered, nobody at all. When asked, do you feel like you are no longer close to anyone? 39% of Americans said, that's correct. He goes on to explain that this is the first time in human history that people have completely disassociated themselves with groups. In our highly individualized and self-worshipping culture, We've lost how to be with people. When I was in Africa, I was actually confused by the poverty situation that I was seeing. When I got back, a lot of people um, would hear my stories and they would say, wow, it's so sad that they don't have that much stuff. I'm so sad for the amount of stuff that they don't get to have. And they're saying that material poverty that the fact that they don't have iPhones, or the fact that they don't have all these different things, that's so sad. But I had a weird experience with that um, because I took, a, I took to heart the teachings um, of Rooted. It's an experience that our adults go through here at our church. And it taught that poverty isn't a material thing. Poverty isn't a material thing. Poverty is all about relationships broken relationships. Poverty isn't really about a lack of material things. Poverty is about broken friendships. It's about loneliness. And to support this, we hear time and time again the wealthiest among us are still miserable. And their marriages and their families suffer. Jim Carrey once said, I wish everyone could get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed so they can see that it too is not the answer. Poverty is broken relationships. Poverty is a friendship that's falling apart. It's a broken home where there is no love shared. It's isolation to the point of desperation. Poverty is loneliness. And so here I am on the fourth or fifth day walking through the slums and I'm still shell-shocked by what I'm seeing. But no matter how little they had, They were always with people. They always had friends next to them. And I found that instead of feeling bad for these people because they don't have a bunch of stuff, I was feeling this odd sorrow for America. Why? Because so many people that I know here live in poverty. They live in the poverty of broken relationships. This is a, 
an author that is one of the wisest men to ever live besides Jesus. In the book of Ecclesiastes, he's writing about friendships and having some philosophy about life, about what's important and what's not. And he writes this, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? This is talking about travelers in his context. They would travel through the desert, and at night it would get to freezing temperatures. And if you were alone, you would freeze to death. You would, you would risk death if you were alone, if you didn't utilize the body heat of another person. To say being alone is quite cold in the desert. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And then a third person comes into the story here. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Hang on to that for later. Tim Keller says, what's been true for thousands of years is still true today. The ability to fully survive and thrive on this planet will greatly hinge on your ability to create and sustain meaningful friendships. In order to do such a thing, we need to understand how to be loved and how to love other people. In order to break relational poverty in our lives, we need to know how to be loved and how to love other people. And maybe you're having a hard time understanding what I'm talking about, so here's an example. In high school, I was loud enough that everybody knew who I was. I was good on social media, I had plenty of followers, and everybody loved and watched my stupid YouTube videos. I was the homecoming king and a lead in a musical, but I lived in poverty. I never knew anybody, nobody ever really knew me. Nobody knew my pain, and I didn't know theirs. And it wasn't necessarily their fault because I never let anybody in. I didn't know how to be loved. I didn't know how to love others. And I think my first true friendship that lifted me out of poverty didn't come until halfway through college. So I've sat in the seat you're sitting in. It's easy that when we start to think about our loneliness, that we start blaming it on others. Our first charge is that we can't trust anybody, but honestly, can anybody trust you? We think, man, there is no one I can stand to be around. Can anybody stand to be around you? Here's the hard question. Would you be friends with you? Proverbs chapter 20. Many claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful person who can find. That goes for both sides of the friendship. You and them. 
when we start to survey the landscape of our poverty, we start and we have to start by looking in the mirror. What do you see when you look in the mirror? When I was in high school, I saw a selfish man that would run from anybody who tried to challenge me, that tried to call me out or be honest with me. Not because I was afraid of them, but I was afraid of me. I was afraid of being found out for the phony that I was. I was very confident on the outside, but I was extremely, incredibly, almost completely insecure on the inside. What do you see? Is the person looking back in the mirror a backstabber? Is the person looking back at you the gossip circus entertainer? Is the person looking back at you nothing but a taker? Never giving anything in return, just a user and abuser of people. Back to the question. Would you be friends with you? Even tonight, this is a, this is a painful thing for me to look at. I'm very selfish at heart. And my first question when anybody wants anything from me is, what's in it for me? That's my deal. What's your deal? What do you see in the mirror? This is a paraphrase of Jesus' words in Matthew. Don't pick on people. Jump on their failures and criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want that same treatment. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging, don't you see? It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be completely oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you, when your own face is distorted by contempt and disrespect? It's the whole traveling road show, putting on a show mentality over and over again, playing a holier-than-thou, better-than-you part instead of living your part. Wipe that ugly sneer off your own face. And you might be able to fit, you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. We can't love people out of a I'm better than you heart. And we cannot rebuild from our relational poverty while sitting on a stinking pile of pride. We cannot truly love unless our hearts are changed by something beautiful and powerful. And once we take a look in the mirror, we've got to start looking at our surroundings. I've seen this a thousand times in my life, and I've seen it in yours. Whoever you surround yourself with, you will become. Saying whoever you put yourself next to is who you will become. You and I, we think we're independent. We think we are unique to the world. 
humans naturally blend into their surroundings so that they won't be the outsider. You begin to sound like them, laugh like them, look like them, behave like them. And you have almost no power over it. The fun fact, there's a part of your brain, these specific, specific things called mirror neurons, and they fire, and they allow you to imitate and emulate the surroundings that you're in. It's genius engineering by a creator. And what happens is we are wired to be put into a group in a community of people, and these mirror neurons subconsciously imitate the people that you are around, whether you know it or not. Have you ever been in a situation where you're talking to someone in a room and all of a sudden you realize they're sitting the exact same way you are and you look across the room and you see them? Here's a fun little experiment. The next time you're in a group project in your school, lean forward, put your hands, put your face in your hands like this and just watch across the table and watch everybody else do it too. Mirror neurons. We think we're in control, but honestly, our... Our biggest desire is to fit in and not be an outsider. And our brains naturally adapt to what's going on around us. You become who you surround yourself with. So, here's another hard question. Who are you surrounding yourself with and who are they making you become? And you think, okay, so here I am. This might be what I'm thinking. This might be the person that I'm becoming. But maybe what has happened is you've ran from people who are willing to put the friendship on the line to tell you the truth. They cared more about you than what you thought of them. And they said things like this. He's not good for you. Or she's making you become an entirely different person. Or, I care way too much about you to let you get sucked into this whole vaping crap. Or, do you even know who you're becoming? You party and get high on Saturday and then come to church on Sunday? And instead of listening, you ran. Shattering what might have been the most true friendship you've ever had. And what did you trade it for? People who didn't judge you or don't judge you. Maybe they don't act like they judge you because they care about you this much. Don't confuse judgment with accountability. Don't confuse judgment for accountability. Don't confuse people who don't care about you as real friends. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 says, It is better to heed the rebuke of a wise person than to listen to a song of fools. 
And maybe you're sitting in the same place I was. The relational landscape looks barren, like a post-apocalyptic wasteland. But how can one keep warm alone? It's cold in the desert at night. And some of you, relationally speaking, are cold in the desert at night. I know all too well it's cold out there, and maybe you do too. So how do we rebuild? How do we alleviate our poverty? I want to draw your attention to the final verse in the scripture we read earlier. A cord of three strands is not quickly or easily broken. That's the first time in that line of scripture that a third person is introduced. I'm suggesting that we start rebuilding by braiding the strand. And we begin assembling the cord and then out of that we find our rescue. We have got to learn and we have got to figure out how to be loved in order to love other people. The essence of a friendship is knowing how to be loved and how to love. And it all starts with a friend who has proven true, who has stood by your side, whether you've liked it or not, since the beginning, is faithful, loyal, and wise. Someone who has already made the first move. This is Proverbs chapter 18. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A foreshadowing to the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. The first strain in the cord of escaping relational poverty has to be Jesus. We need to learn how to be loved. How to let someone in. How to trust someone. Think of the way Jesus modeled friendship. He was loyal. He never, he, he, to his friends, he, he would never leave them or forsake them. He walked with them in their pain. He, he wept when they wept. He was beside people who were sick and dying. And he hated death. And he would pray for them. He would say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Give them, give them the strength to see the kingdom of God and move towards it. And he would hold them accountable. When they started caring about stuff that didn't matter, or they started heading the wrong direction, he called them out. He said, that's not what counts. That's not what's valuable. That's not what's true. And he would point out truth when all they were believing is lies. And ultimately, he would lay down his life for them. And he did all of that for you. John chapter 15. I have called you friends. Jesus has the hand of friendship reaching down to pull you out of your poverty. He is loyal to you. He will never leave you or forsake you. He promised. That is not a promise coming from me. That is a promise coming from him. He knows your pain. He knows every hair on your head and he knows what, he's going through, what you're going through. And he prays and goes to the Father for you, pleading your case, saying, God, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I'll die and go through the punishment that they deserve, the hell on earth that they deserve. I will go through it all so that I can save them and set them free. 
He calls you out so you avoid ruin. Have you ever had that feeling in your stomach when you know you're doing something wrong? If you walk with Christ, that's called the Holy Spirit of God. You should listen. He'll convict you when you're straying too close to the ledge. He tells you the truth when all you can hear is lies and he laid down his life for you so that he could see, so that you could see that every bit he meant it and that you can trust him. This is how we learn to be loved. We allow Jesus to reach into our poverty and become an essential lifeline. Believing in Jesus to be your lifeline, following him out of the pit and walking next to him into the future will absolutely teach you how to be loved. How to be okay with someone knowing the real you. How to be okay with telling the truth. How to receive grace when you don't feel like you deserve it. Jesus will patiently show you and give you the way of how to be loved. I speak from experience. And that in order that we can love others. The next part of that three-stranded cord is a close friend. In John chapter 15, Jesus also says, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love knows no one than this than to lay one's life down for one's friends. If you're my friend, you'll do it. I'll teach you how to be loved and then you'll go love people like I loved you. Jesus has given us a way to be loved and will give us all we need to love others so that we can be loyal to them through their ups and their downs, never leaving or forsaking them. To ask when they're hurting and how we can help to pray for them and their pain, not run from them. To call them out when they're getting too close to the ledge because you love them more than you love the title of friendship and you would hate to watch them fall off that ledge. To tell them the truth when they're, all they're believing are lies. Lies that they're not good enough, that they're not worthy, that everybody hates them, that they'll never be worthwhile. You tell them the truth instead. And ultimately, you sacrifice self-interested, selfish thinking for the sake of loving them instead. Jesus has given us the way to be loved and to love others. So here's my final thought for you. Your question would be, how do, I, how do I even start? How do I learn to be loved? Because the first thought in your mind is, the last time I tried that, I got burned. The only answer I have for you is a scary one, but God will give you all the bravery you need. Craig Rochelle puts it very plainly. He says, the only way to learn if you can trust someone is to trust them. Yeah, you might get a black eye. You might get some scratches along the way, but eventually you'll strike gold. And a friend that completes the strand that pulls you out of poverty.
pulls you out of the pit, the dark, cold night in the desert. And the other thing you might ask is, how do I, how do I learn how to love someone? I've never given anything in any friendship I've ever had. All I've done is take, use, and abuse. That's all I've ever known. The only way, the only way for you to learn how to be a friend and to have a friend is to go be a friend. The gospel shows us how to be loved and how to love other people. You pray with me. Jesus, it's cold being alone. I pray for the students in here that are absolutely alone in everything, where they believe the lie that they are. That you have been with them since the beginning and you will never leave them or forsake them. And we can trust you because you went to the cross for us. You saw the hell that we deserved. You stepped in. You paid the price. And now we get to walk free, to follow you, to learn how this life should be lived. And out of that and only out of that can we start to truly love other people. Loneliness is quite literally a a public health crisis, an epidemic in our time. But it is a disease that is completely curable and preventable. I've fallen victim to the plague of loneliness in my life, but I'm on the other side. And the gospel of Jesus Christ has been the saving grace. He has been the savior, the forgiver, the friend, and the medicine that healed me. I've seen my life go from a wasteland to a thriving world of friendships. I learned how to love and how to be loved, and it set me up for some incredible lifelong friendships, and these guys know all my weak points. They know all my struggles. And they know my fears, but they also know what makes me laugh. And they know what brings me joy. And it set my marriage up to be an absolute joy. None of this junk, stand-up, comedy, cheap, ball-and-chain talk about marriage, but an absolute joy. Because I've learned how to be loved, and I've learned how to love. I will never have all the riches, material riches of this world. I will never even come close. But I will never live in poverty ever again. The opportunity is yours as well. Loneliness is completely curable and preventable. The question is, will you live in it? Or will you believe that Jesus gives you the way out? to build the cord of three strands that will be your rescue. I don't know what you'll choose. I have no idea. But I do need to tell you this. When you go into small group tonight, some of you have given up on small groups. 
Some of you have ran from a coach that was willing to tell you a hard truth when no one else would. Some of you have spit in the face of friends and have a hard time being around them now. So there's two things I want you to hear tonight, and I want you to start thinking about right now. One, your coach. You will always have a built-in friend here that will build that cord who will help you along the way of how to be loved and how to love. Your coach will be loyal and stand by you even in the stupidest moments of your life, even through the darkest stuff. They will be there. Why? Because you've, they've given you their word that they would. And I'm telling you from experience, you would be an absolute fool to not take them up on that offer. Second, possibly the more painful one. Maybe you have a friendship tonight that needs to start rebuilding. You've said nasty things, you've broken things, you've not trusted, you've not loved or allowed yourself to be loved. You've ran from someone who has told you the truth. Make the FaceTime call. Send the text. Have the conversation. And maybe for the first time in your life, these words would leave your mouth. I'm sorry. I was wrong. And I don't need an answer tonight. I don't need you to do this right now. But if you ever could, would, or should, would you please forgive me? I don't know if you'll choose to live a life in poverty or allow the gospel to rescue you out of that. But you cannot act like you have not been given the instructions, the direction, and the knowledge of the three-stranded cord that could rescue you. Would you pray with me? Jesus, during this last song, I don't want it to just be noise. I don't want it to just be something we do just because we do it. But I want us to look at the words and know that sometimes we feel like we're surrounded by emptiness. Sometimes we believe we're surrounded by just people who hate us or have forsaken us. And whether that's a lie or not, the truth is we are surrounded, but we're surrounded by you. Thanks for joining Element. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students.